Friends, countrymen, countrywomen, country theys, everybody here listening mm-hmm. to my voice in your ears. Welcome once again to Hit Different. We've got So Sophia Molly. What's up? And Haley Mary. Always Haley Mary, never Haley, never Mary. Haley Mary, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us what today. What a great intro. That's the best intro I've ever had. In real life, that means IRL for everyone a little young listening. <laughs> Good dad <laughs> joke. <laughs> We're here today and we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about uh, how indie labels aren't necessarily always the good guys. There's been a bit of drama going on with Polydor. We're also going to talk about, you know, whether or not backlash is still a thing when art is so outrageous these days. Oh, I like that. Oh. I felt, I felt, I felt like you, you went to a hole then and then you came out Mate, a beautiful butterfly. And Hayley Mary, we're going to talk about your career way back from the Jezebels to pashing dudes while you're crowd surfing Jesus. at Paul's Festival. That's not Jesus. the end. Doesn't go too bad. Yeah, you had two moments. Um, <laughs> you're booking, to your, it. booking yeah, it with yeah. that. To your current solo career, which is flourishing, which is going super well. Subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to Hit Different. Send a tip or a story suggestion to mm. podcast at mushroomgroup.com. So far, we have not had one email go to that, but it's because people are coming to us directly and saying, That's actually hey, true. Yeah, this, yeah. this is pitched to me. My Dave Betty, your wonderful manager, said, um, hey, you should get Hayley Mary on the podcast after I emailed about, you know, the announcement of, of mm. this hit different thing. And here we are. We've made it happen. You know, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Word but... of mouth still, uh, W-O-M, yeah. <laughs> still <laughs> works. Um, IRL. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie, let's get into it. Bit of music. Well, that was really fun and daggy at the same time. Yeah, it really felt like it. <laughs> it felt like it. Friends, Ray has expressed her frustration that mm-hmm. she's yet to release her debut album despite having been signed on a major label deal with Polydor for many years, four years. She made this whole sort of statement and she's got a point. Like, why can't she put out some music? To talk about this in general terms, um, the bank called The Future Heads, who are no longer sort of around or haven't released anything for a while, they had an issue a few years ago where the label kept asking them for music and they had to kind of go, oh, um, they were even sending demos that weren't so great. So the label would kind of drop them because they wanted to get out of their deal. I've heard of that happening quite a few yeah, times with they were like, different artists. Guys, any inspiration hitting? And they're like, no, nothing. <laughs> Nope, nothing Mm -hmm. yet. And then after a year, they got dropped and then they had all this other stuff that they'd worked on. But even that was an arm wrestle to, you know, for them to say, no, we worked on it, but it wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know whether you're out there in uh, internet land, whether you've seen Buddy Holly. It's on YouTube. You can hear Buddy Holly talking to a representative from Decca. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. A phone call to Paul Cohen of Decca Records where Buddy Holly calls up and asks about music that he's made recently and whether he can he can release it or what's going to be happening with it. Um, we're just playing it to you as well. Mm, I Hayley, cried. Hayley actually cried. <laughs> she, she teared up because, I mean, you could probably recreate a little bit for us. I'm not so good at that really <laughs> polite American, uh, what's it called, transatlantic yeah, yeah. accent. But it was, uh, he's, he's like, um, one fellow was like, we, Deckel might want to put that out. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, they, they might. They might want to put it out. <laughs> so, well, we might, but we might not. No, buddy, it's, it's, it's ours to put out. You know, it's mm-hmm. so sad. Yeah. So you can fucked. just hear him trying to, trying to get the rights to 
these songs that he's made. Yeah, exactly. Mm. His own art. Yeah. Obviously, Ugh. he did sign the contract. Maybe didn't read it. Even if you read it and understand it, it's hard to have the foresight to really know what that's going to feel like mm. and mean when it's like they just decide that for whatever reason it's not the right time. I imagine hundreds if not thousands of artists are going through it now because mm-hmm. of the pandemic and the, the change of, you know, order of yeah. things and so there'd be people holding off, also being pushed to release things quicker, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, sorry, I don't want to go on a too much of a tangent, no. but no. it's, yeah. Prince was an interesting one in that he put Slave, you know, wrote Slave on his cheek for nearly 10 years after this huge battle he had with Warner to get out of that contract because he was, you know, having a, having a rough time. And then I think eventually, about a decade and a half later, it's re-signed with Warner. So, mm-hmm. you know, things can, people can kiss and make up. You've got a, um, a fascinating oh, Stockholm story. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. you got a fascinating story, Hayley Mary. The Jezebels were a band who didn't have a label. and Yeah. So you struck me with this topic and I'm a little bit, you know, not that good at talking about it because I've only recently had a, you know, first-hand experience with the label in terms of like the Jezebels had overseas like licensing deals but it was never like they were super involved in mm-hmm. the making and the, we deliver the record and and it was like you can sign this record if you want to put it out. It wasn't like you're our artist and we're going to control everything for the next however many years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on now on a fairly artist-friendly lab, label. To, so IOU. IOU. So I guess I also don't totally have the understanding that, that some of these people can can be in but I do totally understand the feeling of not being able to put stuff out um for for whatever reason whether it's like I mean obviously I don't understand particularly in the Buddy Holly thing but it's like is it just they don't think it's the right time to get their investment back because I'm trying to see it from the label's view mm-hmm. is that often it's like you don't want to kind of oversaturate or you don't want to put something out because it's not maybe what you think will make money back mm-hmm. or you want to wait till a good time. I just, un- I'm trying to understand the motivation in holding back mm-hmm. um, I think this for, music for, on for, their end. Yep. For them, it was a, definitely a, a timing thing where, yeah. okay, we know maybe there were, maybe said the Elvises of the world, other things were big at that time. If we put it out now, it could get lost. Exactly. So we're going to hold back. But also I think they, because they're kind of seen as the good guys back then, this is before people kind of realized what major levels, how, you know, conniving they could be. Mm. They were in a position of power where they knew that they had, they were holding the cards there. And, you know, they wanted to sort of, it's, it's a bit like treating me and keeping keen stuff as well. And that's the way Buddy was sort of talking, realizing right. he's, he's signed. Tantalizing and then yep. not and actually and committing. And I mean, I mean, every artist as well, like I'm sure you've, you've put out songs that you've wanted to come out six months ago, you know, mm. or an album like this album, like. It takes a lot longer. It takes so long, you know. But then you have to write and your next one real quick. <laughs> yeah. That shouldn't take yeah, yeah. any time at all. No. Um, but the release, it takes a year. It's yeah. like, all you have to do is put it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Johan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm still signed happily to my label. I'm just having a, a general chat. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in nature is general. But what I find interesting, and this is a slightly long-winded point, but the, the discrepancy is between like the lifespan of an artist and lifespan of copyright mm-hmm. because like if you own songs, like label 
can make their return on those songs for like 70 years or something and then after the death of the artist or some crap Keep like on that. Going. Yep. So which has a lot of repercussions for songwriting actually. Um which are not we're not talking about now, but mm-hmm. but then in a life of an artist, 4 years can make or break you. Mm. But for the song, fine, you know, like it can make money or it can be, be successful or whatever in 10 years or whatever, but the artist might be gone or sick or too old or onto different things. So it's kind of, it's really interesting. It's the the separation of the producer and the product mm. there. When I interviewed Iggy Azalea, she was talking about, about to drop her record. Been a while, she, she had a moment where no. she was put out a record <laughs> and she was telling me that she'd taken a reference to twerking off it. Because by the time it came out, well, look how that's turned out for her. (laughs) She thought, you know, I don't want to have a reference to twerking on it because it's going to date really badly, you know, Mm. even from six months ago. Tell us about when Jezebel's all of a sudden had more label interest that you guys were successful enough that people sort of came knocking. Oh, well, yeah, it wasn't so much that we were against labels, but just by the time they became interested, we just, we didn't need them anymore. Yeah, we'd done our um, bank loans and student loans and, um, funded our EP and then instead of doing an album the three EP thing was driven by the necess- like not having the funding so we could only afford another EP yeah. and then we were like well we may as well do another EP because it makes it a trilogy and it's nice and we're into David Lynch so we're into like weird poetry of things mm-hmm. and then um, yeah and, and also you get a bit more what's it called <clears throat> momentum press tour- mm-hmm. touring that kind of thing if you do three things instead of an album but, yeah, that was all driven by just self-funding. But then by the time, if you go well, then you get 100% of it back. So yeah, right. so if you do okay, then you're like, well, we don't need a label anymore. Apart from the business side of things, again, our, le- our manager was pivotal in actually making that all possible. You'd have to have the right team. He's pivotal. And speaking of pivoting, Dave Fatty can now be your marriage celebrant. That's correct, yes. friends. Yes. Look him our, up. Our manager is now a celebrant. <laughs> Um, and you, I believe, are starting a wedding band. I, I've just, <laughs> I've been talking about this for my whole life now, because ABBA is my favorite band, and Ooh, I always, <laughs> I've always wanted to start a wedding band, but like, it's one of those things that just life gets in the way of. True. Like, I can see your twilight years. My own music. <laughs> I just think it'd be cool to do a really classy wedding band. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It was like, more. There'd be some people out there who were like, I want to have Jezebel's play at my wedding. And this I wouldn't to do be Jezebel's. Jezebel's yep. have played a couple of weddings for yep. the right amount. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, no, this would be Hayley Mary because then I could run the show. I like to run the show, I've discovered. Mm. Swan, Very Swan cool. about, Frolic. I love it. I love it. Decide the set list. Mainly covers Jezebel's don't love to. Would you covers. have like a particular wedding band outfit? I do. Okay. And I literally just posted a picture of it on my Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's a suit, a, a white, yeah. silky kind of suit. That is lovely. I, I like a structured yeah, jacket. It's, it's based on a David Bowie one. Oh, yeah. It was very structured. That's yeah, yeah, working. Yeah. Friends, we'll put this in the episode mm-hmm. notes. Coming up in a second, (laughs) Lil Nas X, X, we're going to talk about the so-called controversy around and just how well he's navigating all this business. So she's going to pick up that in a second after this music. This last week, the BET Awards happened in Los Angeles. I feel like a lot of people get confused, especially online, between whether or not, you know, the music that is showcased at these award shows is like 
legitimate hip hop or legitimate rap. But for the BET Awards, I feel like it's more of a kind of celebration of, you know, black culture and, and black entertainment and the success of black artists, which is amazing. Anyway, Lil Nas X uh, performed during the ceremony. He performed uh, Montero, Call Me By Your Name, which if you haven't heard it. It's the song of the year. It's the pop jam of the year. It's it's <sighs> such a jam. Just talking up to Johnny, talk your, your fella. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you need to get on this. Okay. It just gets, it's, it's one of those songs that just gets stuck in your head. The music video is also incredible that that could even be released. He, now. he he pretty much grinds on Lucifer. He does a he does a lap oh, dance yeah, yeah, yeah. for the devil. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures. The the production of this performance was very much inspired by MJ Michael Jackson. He did he does this homage halfway through to remember remember the time. They're talking like um very lavish like Egyptian pharaoh kind of choreography. Very gold. Very mm. yeah, yeah yeah. And at the end, That's some occult dollar bill stuff there. Kind of yeah. At the end, kind of seals the deal by having a great intense patch with one of his backup dancers. It was hot. Like all the all of the people who he employed to dance with him were not ugly. So you know, it's just like get it. <laughs> I bet they were not. Get a king. Love it. Anyway, as these as these things tend to happen, internet goes crazy for good and bad reasons. You've got rappers coming out being like. You know, this is severely, this is really inappropriate. Uh, there are young people watching this as if, you know. Guns we, are fine, though. Guns are fine. <laughs> strippers, like, strippers are fine. Like, that, that is 100% yeah, but, fine. But, but yeah, in yeah. terms of, like, how they've been objectified uh, within hip hop culture. Well, like, the okay. sexuality of it exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But mm. having, like, a young black gay man <laughs> overtly just expressing himself on national television, that's. Is that first base as well, or is that second base kissing? Good question. Is it, first is, it, is holding hands. Yeah, proper snog. Yeah, proper. Second base, I think that is. Yeah, which is like you know, it's like high school stuff. It's like totally. you see that in like high school movies. Totally. In a lot of, in a lot it's of not ways, even kissing is more intimate than sex. Yeah. I don't know about your love life, but we can talk about that later. Let's <laughs> put <laughs> the bonus episode. <laughs> Anyways, it made me start thinking more about you know this this weird sort of outrage culture within pop culture and music at the moment Uh, madonna weighed in she posted on her social media there was like an image of lil nas x alongside an image of her famous moment with britney and christina hashtag she did it first and then all of a sudden it became like you know why are we battling (laughs) here? like why is it why is it something that we even need to be kind of breaking down and providing think pieces on it's a it's a fucking kiss. Like, who yeah. cares? Like, we're in 2021. Yep. I get why it was kind of groundbreaking for Madonna to do it back then, mm. you know, having three of, like, the biggest pop voices at the time kind of getting a bit raunchy. But, again, 2021, are we real? why are we still? Well, I, I think Madonna, it's it's not punching down, but it's a bit like, over here, guys, check me out. I love Madonna to bits. Mm. But she has been gagging for a hit for so many years and gagging for attention, and I feel like the way she's sort of sort of the way she's navigating her career these days, it's all she's not reading the room very well. Mm. I mean, the fact that Lil Nas X chips back, he says, "Me and Madonna are friends." It's just a joke. Like that's the best thing he could do right there. He's just like, guys, everyone just chill the fuck out. Mm. This, this, right. This, so people were like getting on her for being like making it about her. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And whether that's true or not, like she maybe she was just having a bit of a joke. But I think he's being the bigger person, the bigger human by mm. just sort of going. 
um, internet outrage culture uh, really is this is what you're which is super your interesting into, considering he was like his whole career has been born out of that mm. you True. know like yep. old town road wouldn't have been a thing if it wasn't for like meme culture yeah, and, and tiktok yeah and tiktok and everything like that so it's kind of interesting to see how he's kind of he's being hit with you know trolling and, and cyberbullying left right and center but it's all just kind of just deflecting yeah of him he's just like okay well if you really want me to be offensive, I'll just come out next award ceremony and just fuck a guy on stage just to see like how everybody goes off at it. And I'm like, I love that. <laughs> I once saw an artist uh, kiss someone at the Falls Festival during the they were crowd surfing and they, <laughs> and they kissed a guy oh, yeah. who was Hayley Mary, kissed a guy <laughs> and the crowd went berserk and you got on stage and you said, nice to meet you, mate. And it was like the best thing you could have said. It was the <laughs> coolest rock star rock moment. So. I don't know who instigated that kiss. I think it was him. There was consent from both parties, from what I could tell. What year um, was that? I think you kind of had the upper hand there, let me say that. The person I certainly on stage had the upper hand. being the boss bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. So little, little Nas X, where's this all going to end up? I don't know. I think he's just going to continue to make he just It becomes more powerful. The more people totally, the are more, outraged. Well, it's, it's that thing. Like, it's, like, it, as much as it gets fed, it's just going to galvanize what he's doing, which is it's, great. It's a little like of a... It kind of it's a self perpetuating thing because like a lot of the time when people say outrage, it's like two tweets. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah, always yeah, two yeah. tweets from people who never really had a voice before yeah. and yeah. still kind of don't because no one really cares. But yeah. then we talk about it and give them this. Oxy- I wonder oxygen. if there's like literally two oxygen. actual people mm. on every topic, like in totally. Twitter, like <laughs> run by Twitter, yeah. just being like, all right, I'm going to do the unpopular thing here the same. and say blah, blah, blah. It reminds me, um, slightly <laughs> yeah. off topic, but um, have you watched the TV, the American TV version of What We Do in the Shadows? No. It's so good. So but there's this like, there's this vampire in the show who feeds off of. Um, I might get this wrong, but he essentially feeds off of people's emotions. So right. instead of biting necks, he like feeds off people's energies. He's um, an introvert. Yes. <laughs> but he's like outwardly like your classic, you know, sweater wearing accountant type, yeah, very yeah, quiet, yeah. very introverted. But there's a scene where he's just in his room and he's got like five laptops set up and he's just one troll, like going on internet <laughs> forums and like starting internet mm. fights and he's just like almost orgasming over the amount of energy that's yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah. But it's true. It's just one guy who's just like over here and he's over here yeah. in this forum and then he and then it's, it's great. Sorry, I think Very I got true. it wrong actually. I think that's an extrovert that feeds off other people's energy emotions. I it think is. introverts get get drained by Others, sorry, sorry introverts, <laughs> clarify that. It's yeah. way around. <laughs> you hear anything you want to fact check today, <laughs> totally tweet us. Yeah, tweet um, us. Yeah, definitely. What was that sorry. big site? It was kind of the, the internet um, version of what they reckon created sort of the Trump voting world where it was all anonymous and it didn't last. So you could post anything and it would. Uh, little Nas X, thank you for being one of our first subscribers. Uh, respect. <laughs> By the way. Next week we're launching a something special for uh, for people that do subscribe to us. Uh, you get the bonus episode. This is the final. We're going to do a bonus episode. If you, do you want to stick around, do a bonus episode. Sure, great. Oh, yes, it's going to be the final free bonus episode you get of Haley Mary talking about music that hit gonna make different. It a, make it a good one over her life. In fact, we're going to talk about her career in just a moment. Coming back after this. <laughs> Hayley Mary, iconoclast, singer-songwriter, badass, 
person that was in a very successful band, the Jezebels, <laughs> now has a flourishing with her own solo career. Mm-hmm. I, st- I still Man. am in the Jezebels technically. Very good. Thanks for clearing yeah, that up. I just want to clarify that if anyone's to fact check anything on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> when did you have that first moment of, of being in the Jezebels, looking out at a crowd, seeing people sing your songs, having this energy and this vibe around you, this momentum and go, oh, this is the thing. This is really happening. Yeah, that is actually a very memorable moment in 2011. Splendor. And um, I was fucking vomiting. Just hearing talk about <laughs> yeah, this, sorry. Right. Yeah, I was vomiting out the back of the tent. We were in the tent, not the main stage, because we were an up-and-coming indie band, and um, <laughs> which is, you know, where we should have been. But then I kind of looked at the main stage and there was no one there. And I was like, ah, oh, well, they must all be at the tent then. And I kind of peered in while we were setting up and it just like was spewing out people. No one could get in the tent. It was like, oh, my God. And I went backstage and just started vomiting. <laughs> so I still occasionally had nervous vomits at this time. And Illy, the rapper, was backstage. And for some reason he had one of those isotope Icebox that's good for oh, like yeah, rejuvenating yeah, yeah. you after you've been sick. After you've been so Ill-y. he gave me. <laughs> oh, maybe sorry, that's, sorry, everybody. Maybe he gets ill a lot, and that's <laughs> why he's called Illy and has those icebox. Can't he live that in? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, nice guy, and he gave me an ice block and a bucket, <laughs> and then I went on and proceeded to did you play have, the show. Did you have a drink to steady the nerves? What? Did, I don't remember at that time. It was daytime. No, there was no time for that. It was just about to go on. Yeah, it was like a water type situation. Yeah. Maybe a whiskey, but I don't think I drank at that time Mm -hmm. before shows. Mm. That came later. (laughs) No, it was daytime. But yeah, I can't remember. That's Mm -hmm. wild. And so you come out on stage and what's the roar of the crowd hitting you like, especially because you're feeling quite a little bit delirious, a little bit like, ooh. A bit lightheaded. A little bit lightheaded. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, a lot of those, this is a, a thing I'm trying to remedy now in my, as you call it, flourishing solo career, <laughs> is being a bit more in the moment because yeah. I've a few of those pivotal gigs, I've just been like, okay, just don't forget the lyrics. Totally. Like sort of, mm-hmm. which well, often makes working. you forget the you lyrics, by the way. Anyway. That does not work mm. if, you, if you shouldn't <laughs> think yeah. about them at yeah, all, yeah. preferably. And then it will come. Um, and you just kind of like when it's a big, oh, this one matters kind of thing, you do get a bit nervous and mm. try and sort of not think too much about the moment. Like I often mm. don't look at the crowd. I look above the, the crowd. Right. And yeah. so sadly sometimes my memories are a little bit hazy of those mm. things because I'm like just think about something else. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and, and yeah, I do remember the before and the after, but I don't remember the during. Very common. We we had that with all day. Yep. On our previous episode, we asked mm-hmm. him about massive splendor moment, and he was kind of the same. Like, can remember the beginning and the end. Glazed over the show. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just like, oh, As I was shit. Saying, you, you are working. This is what you do for a living, and everything you put put into that moment, it's like you know, there's all muscle memory, etc. But you weren't trying to make it the best you if can. If you be. become conscious, you lose that muscle memory totally, and yeah. you forget things and then and also maybe I'd like to think that you're more in the moment if you're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. To try and make mm-hmm. it sound better, like you're actually there and being present with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um was that the Veronica's one? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> the, the trap the trap yeah. of What's it called? Untouched. Untouched. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a song with him on his new yeah. record. That's right. 
which kept changing name, but I think it's now called the Paris End of Collins Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is a cool tune. It's a a great record. It's a freaking cool tune, isn't it? Mm. He's done that transition well. Oh, how has he nailed it? He said he spoke to Morad and said, stop apologising for going indie. Just fucking own it. And he was like, oh, Morad, you're the best. (laughs) (laughs) The most badass advice. Yeah. Very cool. Something else you did recently was uh, like a version. <laughs> a Lana Del Rey tune. Which that was fucking such a great killed segue. it. So say and I, she's, the you way like? you described it, you said it, I believe you said it shits all, all over the original. All over the original. And I mean that incredibly genuinely. The like, nicest I'm not, shit. I'm not. The most respectful um, poo. <laughs> I, like pellets. my. Yes, <laughs> pellets. Exactly. Very dainty. Um, yeah, I w- wasn't. I don't mind Lana Del Rey. I can't listen to a lot of it in one, in yeah. one setting. Yeah, for um, sure. But, yeah, when I watched the video and then sort of listened to it a couple of times after, it like just the the, the intensity that you put into that song, it's almost mm. like it was a track that had been out for years already and you just like revitalised it, you know. That's cool. I fucking love it. Great, thank so you. So good. And key, just the, the, the way that all the musicians were like, bouncing off each other as well i feel like that was really that was something that really pulled me into they were very excited they had a really positive experience as well and i think that's i think they were thinking that they wouldn't you know because sometimes you get in and have like a session and i don't want to get this wasn't really something we talked about but i had the feeling that you know all being girls maybe they've had times with engineers where you know they're spoken to in a certain way and then they were quite surprised with how professional and amazing the experience was <laughs> and That's even you know over the yeah yeah you got a, mm. just the power of negative thinking you're Seriously? never disappointed yeah. uh, <laughs> but um my dad told me that one it stayed with me uh but yeah no they just were so like wow everything's great and it just kind of came together we did practiced it a lot mm. um so i think by the time we got there it was actually it sounded good so yeah, it was just one of those magic moments. You don't know when things are gonna, if it's gonna work or not. That's the scary thing, and so that energy's in the room. Yeah, of like, oh, this could this be really could bad be, or really know. good. And, but it's great thrill. Tell us yeah. about. So you have that instantly. So you get off and you go, that was great. That what that felt amazing. Actors have it where they do a whole film. And they're like, that felt really good, and then it will go out and bomb at the cinema, and no one can work <laughs> well, out. Well, that's why. the edit. Yeah, and the. Uh, depends. When do they have this good feeling? <laughs> I think the actors After always their like, performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> we do the work, you know, we get the work done. And that's what I do. I, you know, actually, they just say, so say you do four films in a year and three are really successful. And for some reason, one absolutely just just bombs. You're talking about being in the moment. So, how, how do you know it went well? I, I mean, it's sort of a lame question, but. <laughs> yeah, I guess how, it's how the you know? feedback. It's, it's often how, how much is it feedback and how much is it you going. I nailed that and that's going to... This I'm is a, like a major philosophical question, I reckon, because like sometimes you yes. see those things and you're like, how did no one tell them that it was yep. crap? Like there's whole mm. teams going into this. And I think there is a process of like self and group delusion that happens, which well, happens good. with positive <laughs> thought of yeah. like, yeah, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. And people go, okay, yeah. And mm. then like... Maybe some people don't care that much and just mm. go with it and it's just their job. Some people are too nice. Some people are too nice. There's a lot of things. So it could turn out that like it's going to be, you think it's going to be good and it's not. But Greg, who works at Triple J as the engineer, is not like that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. He is. No, he's a lovely guy, but he's not like uh, a yay sayer. Like great. He'll tell you. He'll that. make you keep doing it until it's good. He's actually like. I think actually some of the girls who played with me had had experiences where he'd made them redo bits and rewrite things and change stuff because it wasn't. So they were a bit like, oh, that's going to happen. But if he says it's good, then you're like, okay. What's his full name? Wales, oh, sorry, uh, Greg Wales. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Wales. Haley Mary. Wales. Greg Wales. Well, there's a great um, <laughs> example of him. I, I remember when, so when the Wiggles did the Tame Impala like a version, mm. um, people were so surprised at how fucking well that turned out mm. because, you know, it's, Tame Impala have a very distinct sound. Obviously, it's the Wiggles. <laughs> great band, though. Great, great, great band. Great musicians. But apparently, it went as well as it did because. Greg and the team had done various tame like versions in the past. So mm. and obviously Kevin is very particular in how the sound should be mm. and how it's supposed to be mixed. So he already had all of that knowledge yeah. in the bank. So by the time the Wiggles came in, he's just like, well, I know exactly how it should sound. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, you're mixing yeah. it as if it's a tame and parlor session. Yeah. So the Wiggles, because I remember when that went live, so many of the comments were just like, oh, my God, it sounds exactly like <laughs> yeah. tame. And yeah. I'm like, that's... Well, yeah. Clem Basto, the writer, talked about how Kevin Parker is like a Howard Hughes kind of character and that he's so particular. You know, he has to have control of everything. I interviewed Kevin about God Lonerism and he's sort of saying he, he was sitting in Paris, he was in Paris, and he was just like fretting about the drums on the record. And he just said, I got the next flight. I flew straight to Sydney and I just redid the drums and I'd spent my whole advance Shit. on doing it and I didn't give a fuck because I was so happy that I got to redo the drums just how I wanted them. Mm. And, of course, the record came out and, you know, the, the drumming is probably the most distinctive thing about, I reckon, about Tame Impala. I love them so, so much. So that's interesting because there's two schools of thought on, like, how to be an artist. There's mm. so many, but these two in particular of, like, just get it done, finish it, and don't let perfectionism get in the way. But you do so often, maybe that's more appropriate in the starting out phase, I guess. Sure. But like you do so often find yourself something with the with something that's like basically it's finished, it's ready to go. And you're just sitting there going, that drum. <laughs> I need to go back. And you kind of like you try and stop yourself. I had this with the drip. Where like it was really bothering me, the tempo and a couple of other things. And I was like it was about to be released and I was like I can't. I think it was like not not that long before it was about to go out, and just felt really bad about it and like being a perfectionist. But then you then you go back and you fix it and you're like, okay, I'm glad I did. But it's just always a weird predicament. Are you a deadlines person? I'm not great at them, so no. <laughs> like I mean, what do you mean? I have them in my life. I, I'm I acknowledge I'm them. With them. Like journalistically, just well, yeah, day to day, you everything. have to be good at it. Mm. Yeah. I should be better at it. and But does it give you some get up and go? Of course. I yeah. mean, I need them. Yes. But I sometimes go over them. But it's still good because you yeah, still got an end point. Like you say, if someone said to you, you know, I just come up with a record the next six or so months, that wouldn't work. No? Or, or would it? Well, that's a deadline. Yeah, true. If they just said come up with a record, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if they were like, yeah, in three months or six months or a year, yep. then I guess I could work with that. Yeah. It was a dirty grey day. There was a constant drizzle. As we drank, Lucas said, though it was not artisanal. Fantastic couplet. I really <laughs> so where'd, where'd you write that? This is, this is so from the drip. good. I, I did write that in Scotland, which it's is such one. a drippy place. Isn't it Iron Brew over there? Yes. But they do drink Lucas Aid. 
also. Yep. Anything orange, they're down for. Yeah. My, my dad's Scottish and he brought me up on, LucasAid was supposed <laughs> to make you feel better. <laughs> I think he was probably just harking back to Iron Brew and couldn't get it. In, yep. This will do. This'll yeah. LucasAid's a better word in the song as well. It is way better. Um, <laughs> though I would like to say that Iron Brew, I don't know if it still is because they changed the recipe for the worse, but was... Scotland was the only place in the world that outsold Coke with a drink, yes. and it was Iron Brew, yes. which is cool, a cool claim. And I yeah. have an Iron Brew jumper. Really? Nice. Yeah. So I do love Iron Brew. I just chose to write about LucasAid this time. Smart. Nice. <laughs> What's your hangover cure? Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Coke and a fur. A cola. Coke and yeah. a fur. Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, no. That, spit the, on you. That's the causer, the other one. <laughs> Being real today, I'm here different. Oh, a few more minutes One of this thing business leads to another, you before know? we you go know, to the bonus episode. Yeah, I love it. Does it feel like is there? Tell me about the the nerves and the excitement of starting again, uh, getting out of the Jezebel, which you're still in, but starting with the Haley Mary project, and and you know, there've been times that you're like, you know what, fuck this. Um, <laughs> okay, nerves and excitement. It was always an inevitability mm-hmm. that I would do something solo, but. It was a time fact. The band took up pretty much all my time for many a year. And then when we had a kind of, maybe it was a natural hiatus, but it was also kind of triggered by a few things like health issues and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Then the time presented itself and it just it just took me a long time to actually find the sound, okay, which I didn't expect because you're sort of defined in your identity and your sound sure. and yeah. the kind of songs you feel with are within your gamut. Mm. Um, to do by the band that you play with and then to have that kind of extreme freedom and then also realise that, like, my abilities as one person are quite limited. Mm -hmm. So I need to learn new abilities and then Mm. I also need to kind of rail in the creative direction without anyone else to decide that. Totally. Or to contribute. So that was – I mean, I've I've collaborated with people but it's always up to me and so that's been – the longest part of the process is working out, actually. I always assumed I'd go real pop, but mm-hmm. that didn't work. I didn't like that. <laughs> I tried a bit of that, and it was like, my voice doesn't really suit that super slick, like, whispery. Top liney stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I, I don't even dislike the music. It's just, yeah. it doesn't work for me. Yeah. And it can backfire. Washington was like, okay, I'm a Triple J darling. I'm going to do a pop record. And every radio station, you know, mainstream was said, no, thank you. Right. And Triple J were kind of like, hmm. Bit too she, poppy. Yeah. And she was like, fuck, well, what have I done? You know, I made this decision. Australia is not now, a great place to do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it was do either anything. the same Paul <laughs> Ambitious. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good place to do podcasts, though. We don't even have a mainstream radio station that plays contemporary Australian, well, like, tri- rock. Triple M, pull your finger out. You're on another thing, too. Uh, Jane Rocker's podcast, Some of My Best Work. Mm, indeed, I am. Talked about a little piece by the Jezebels because it was one of those moments that kind of, it got on a, a video that went viral, a mountain bike video, actually. Really? Ah. It went crazy viral and then we were able to – it's called – Danny McCaskill, he's an amazing Scottish mountain biker. Mm. And he just randomly liked our song. I don't even know how he found it and put it on there. And it just blew up. He's having millions and millions of views, yeah. So then 42 million views way back home. But that might be the second one because there's another one that even has more, I think. Anyway, 
and, and so that, a little, sorry, a little piece. That's the song yeah, called a little piece, which I call cherry pie because that's what it should have been called. <laughs> but it sounds like some cockroach piece, so we decided to call it a little piece. Shout out to Warren. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I talk about that. I talk about the band and that that period of our writing, which is great. a nice time. It was a great chat. Phantasmagorical. Friends, we have had Haley Mary from herself and the Jezebels <laughs> and life today on Hit Different. Thanks for joining us. Stick around for <laughs> bonus episode, lady. Thanks for say thanks of for course. holding my hand. Thank you guys. I I'm a bit loosey goosey today. <laughs> from herself. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs>